Hi there, Clark Buckner here, and welcome to our bonus five-episode series on Circle Back. It's called A New Stage, and it's hosted by our friend and NFL Hall of Fame Tennessee Titan running back, Eddie George. On the previous episodes, we've heard from country music stars Kix Brooks and John Rich. Now, joining us virtually is three-time Grammy Award-winning musician Michael W. Smith. As our team is hard at work on season two, Eddie George is circling back with some of his friends and ours, hearing how they went to a new stage and some of the lessons entrepreneurs can apply today. This show is a production of the Nashville Entrepreneur Center, also known as the EC. We're a 501c3 nonprofit right here in Music City, working every day to help make Nashville the best place in the country to start and grow a business. To learn more about how to get connected and be part of our thriving entrepreneurial community, visit ec.co. And now we head over to the Chase Studio with Eddie George and Michael W. Smith. Michael W. Smith, man. Uh, so tell me about your journey that led you to your music career. How did you get started in this whole thing, man? Well, uh, Eddie, I grew up in a music, music family. Um, I was really involved in my church. The music was a huge part over there. But, you know, I was a jock growing up. I wanted to play. My dad was a great baseball player. He was my coach. So I wanted to play for the Cincinnati Reds. That was my <laughs> that was my dream. I was a pretty good ball player because my dad, you know, had good uh, hand coordination and all that. And my dad was great. He played minor league ball. And so, mm-hmm. but I didn't make the All-Stars at 15. It's the first time I didn't make the All-Stars. And I, I knew that music was going to be somehow a part of the fabric of my life. And I wrote my first song at five. It was awful. But the fact that I wrote something <laughs> when I was that young and I would I Do you still Beatles remember song. that song, Mike? What's that? Do you still remember the song that you wrote? Yeah, I kind of do. It's, it's not very good. So, <laughs> and, then, and then my mom and dad began to, you know, I, I would be able to, I remember playing Hey Jude and, and uh, Let It Be for my mom and dad in the house. And they just were bewildered because there was no sheet music in the house and I could... I could just play by ear. So it just kept progressing. And then I knew at 15, I knew this is what God had for my life. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what the rules were. I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to get there. I, 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 know, I, I knew I needed to get out of Canova, West Virginia. Uh, it was either LA, New York, or Nashville. So I came to Nashville mm-hmm. in 78 and I've been here ever since. So wow. that's kind of was the beginning, you know, I, and then I met this girl named Amy Grant. You know, and that's kind of what changed everything for me. I started writing songs for her and opening up for her in 1982. Mm. Wow, that's amazing, man. So, so who who, is, who are some of your biggest influences in, in terms of making your music? Well, I grew up listening to a lot of pop music. I was a huge Elton John fan because he wrote mm-hmm. all these amazing songs. Uh, I was into Billy Joel, I was into Kansas, but I also was into I was into Andre Crouch. And the disciples, you know, Andre was a huge, huge impact, uh, had a huge impact on me. And then a lot of that Jesus movement that happened out of, out of, you know, Calvary Chapel in the late 60s, you know, all that Jesus music and these hippies making music and talking about Jesus. I found those records. And so a lot of those artists really had a huge impact on my life as well. So, and then my biggest influence today, honestly, is a guy named John Williams, who's Mm -hmm. the guy who scores all the Spielberg and you know, Star Wars and Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and Schindler's List. He's just this amazing composer who um, still to this day probably has had a bigger impact on my writing than anybody. It seems like your faith has always been your 
your source um, for you in terms of your your career. You always go back and talk about your faith. Was there a, a, a particular time in your life or an event where you really saw God working in your life to say, hey, you know, God has given me this gift, this purpose. I need to handle it appropriately and and just follow his and be obedient to his word. It just I just get that sense from you. Is that kind of accurate? What what what, what was that event if, if there was one? Well, first and foremost, you know, I had a massive encounter with Christ when I was ten. I mean, I'll never forget. I'm, I remember every little detail of it. It was almost mm. like the light bulb went off and. And I sat there in that pew in that church going, oh, my gosh, Jesus really is who he said he was. But it, and, and so that was a game changer. And then I went through a prodigal, Eddie, I went through a prodigal time from 75 to 79. I almost died mm-hmm. from a drug overdose and made some really bad choices. I wouldn't be mm-hmm. having this interview if I hadn't been for my mom and dad praying for me. They, you know, they just loved me unconditionally uh, all those years when I struggled. But I think it was probably after I had a little nervous breakdown and and— you know, cried half the night, and then I, I, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that I felt like the God of the universe was laying on the floor with me with his arm around me. And mm. and I just heard the words, you know, not only do I love you, but I'm extremely fond of you, and I just want to be your friend. And and everything changed, literally everything changed. And, um, and I kind of have those moments once or twice a year, honestly, just a, a reminder of who God really is. There's a misconception of who he is. There's... You know, when we talk about him being a good, good father, there was a lot. There's a lot of uh, people who didn't have a good father. So, and the, the, I think those people, you know, have to really work through that to try to go. You know what? God can father me, and my, my dad, who wasn't a good father, I'm saying somebody who would say that. I, I'm fortunate because my dad was amazing. I just wrote a mm-hmm. book about him, actually. And but to really find that picture of who God really is, it changes everything. It really does, and that's why it's what makes me tick. So I can get up every morning and be confident and just know who I am. Yeah. You know, the whole purpose of this podcast, Mike, is to uh, uncover like the next stage or the new stage um, for celebrities like yourself that started in in music and now have gone on to have great business careers. It sounds like to me, your personal journey in terms of following God has led you to your business ventures like like Rocket Town. Kind of talk about how they came about and, and why. What's the mission behind it? Well, Rocket Town's a nonprofit. It's a you know, it's just a it's a safe haven for kids. It's right in the heart of Nashville. I mean it's everything's built up around us. You know that's crazy. But I mean but I actually got the I got the vision, Eddie, when I was it was not, not it actually it's 1991. I was in Franklin, Tennessee. There was a bunch of kids cruising. There was issues, people drinking. They were kind of causing quite a stir. And I, I remember going down and standing on the corner uh, and watching all these kids cruising. And I I heard this voice. It's crazy. I heard this voice. Build it and they'll come. I kept mm. thinking about Field of Dreams. You know, Kevin Costner. Mm-hmm. And I said, build it and they'll come. And I got, gosh, what's that mean? And I just felt like that was the voice of God. Build it and they'll come. And I thought, I think I'm supposed to build a place for kids, get them off the street, meet their needs socially, but more importantly, meet their needs spiritually. So we opened up in 1994 in a little warehouse really close to Cool Springs Mall. We shut down because we ran out of finance. It's a long story. And then, and then Columbine happened. Hmm. The, the massacre, the, the tragedy at Columbine High School, Littleton, Colorado. And I got a call from Governor Owens. Uh, me and Amy Grant were invited to go participate in that memorial. And 
it was a game changer. I'd never been around grief like that, sitting with parents mm. who lost their kids. And I thought, man, if we had had a rocket town in Littleton, Colorado, I think we could have prevented that. You know, that's, I, felt, I felt that really deep, deeply inside of me. And so I came back and said, we got to, we got we got to we got to find a place. We got to we got to have to reopen. We just got to do it. So I called a good friend of mine named Steve Case, who uh, started AOL. So we're all doing talking on our smartphones because Steve. And then I called on my good friend George Herbert Walker Bush, who I affectionately call number forty one, to be my campaign chairman. And we raised four point six million dollars, and we built Rocket Town in the heart of Nashville. Mm. And. And so we're seeing on a daily basis, you know, a lot of kids come from the projects, but we got we got people of every color and they're they're being changed because we got a staff who just loves them unconditionally. You know, I mean, we just got kids like a kid, I know I know a girl who's who's been I remember a few years back, you know, her mom's a prostitute and her dad's in jail. But she keeps coming back because our staff loves her unconditionally and it's changed her life. So that's the beauty about my job, Eddie. Is that it, I mean, I love making music, and I get I've traveled all around the world, and and it's my sweet spot. It's what I'm called yes. to do, but it's the platform. The, the, you, you become successful, and you have this platform. You're either going to be a rock star, or you're going to go change the world. And yeah. so to find myself both. in these positions, working with Bono, or being in the White House, working on the AIDS crisis in Africa, or being able to open up a rocket town, all that would never have happened if I hadn't been successful. Mm. Now and 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 probably the journey that you had to go to get through that because you can almost relate to a lot of those kids. I guess based off of what you've gone through personally speaking, um, I, I I've, I've been to Rocket Town. I've come down there through the years to speak to the kids at Rocket Town. Actually, my oldest son had served as um, was an intern there a couple years ago uh, when he played at Vanderbilt. Uh, so much success to you over the years. You know, when you when you started this, I guess your business career. What parts of your music career helped you prepare for the, the, your business life? Well, I just think you learn. Well, for, first and foremost, I had to learn a lot about the music business. Uh, yeah. And then I've got. A, I mean, I just have a great business manager. I mean, who just mm-hmm. and I got a great team. I got great managers who help me. You know, sort of. They tell me, they just kind of tell me, hey, this would probably be a good idea to invest in that, invest in this or whatever. You know, it all kind of changed, Eddie, when, you know, when Napster happened and all of a sudden the 2000, mm-hmm. you know, the, the the turn of the century and all of a sudden everybody's everybody's getting free music. <laughs> well, I call I call it stealing your music, you know what I'm saying? Right. They, they, they all think music should be free. And so we watched our whole industry literally just like plummet from a financial standpoint. So... You know, we just had to start getting creative and, um, mm-hmm. you know, probably more paying attention to the brand and how you build the brand, although I don't like talking about that stuff because I just, you know, because I, I realized a long time ago this is not about me. That's um, right. Uh, so, but just having to get creative and in terms of business, on the business side, I wish I'd have bought more land is all I got to say. So, <laughs> <laughs> the whole pl- and I did. I do have some land. I've, I've I've made some good investments and stuff. But boy, I wish I'd have bought some more. When you see the what's happening with the real estate market, it's just insane, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? I've never been. I've never gotten the stock market doing much of that stuff. I've just. I've I've, I've been pretty conservative in terms of my investments. Um, 
And then I think the most important thing, I just love investing in the kingdom and I, my time Amen. investing in yeah. Compassion International, being able to see thousands of kids sponsored through that program, which has been a game changer for me as well. So, yeah, but just surround yourself with good people who are smart, who are godly, and who give you really, really good advice. You know, that's that's great wisdom because um, I guess in another shift in my career, I, I've... I've relied a lot on that is, is, is having wise counsel around me yeah. in terms of uh, this new coaching adventure at, at Tennessee State, just getting the best coaches that I know possible that can help me from strategic planning to, to scheduling to recruiting academics, all these things that, you know, in my world that I haven't been in in a very long time that I, that I, that I experienced as a player, but now as a coach or the CEO, is, um, is a difficult task, but one that can be successful if I have the right people around me. So I definitely understand, you know, uh, where you're going with that. Because uh, for me, coaching and what you do, and especially now with Rocket Town, what you've been doing with Rocket Town is a calling. It's not a, it's not something, I, I don't think you wake up and say, hey, you know, let me go try coaching today. I, I think it, it really calls you because you're impacting lives, you're responsible for lives and shaping those lives. And um, there have been several players uh, that have gone and played sports that have had bad experiences with coaches. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I definitely want to be one that's of a positive mindset. You know, I didn't expect to be in this about six months ago. Uh, I was focused on my my entrepreneurial career, me being an educator, getting into acting, and I was just trying to juggle all of that. Now you throw this into the mix, and it's amazing how God works because everything that I want to do is encompassed in this one role. So I guess my question for you is, you know, how do you balance, you know, the time of your music career, your entrepreneurial ventures, writing, acting, your family, your humanitarian causes with with Compassion International. You you serve on the President's Council on the service and, and civic participation. I mean, the list goes on and on. How do you find time to breathe and just be Michael? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you have to. You really have to plan. I get, I go back to probably the same with you, Eddie. You, you know, you're assembling a great team. Who's your team? Mm-hmm. And who's your coaches? And who's I mean, who's going to carry the weight with you? I, I mean, that's for me. I mean, what what's the priority? What are the priorities? And we keep the priorities uh, intact. And then I think my biggest challenge has been I wanted to save the world, and mm. I used to, I used to say yes to everything. Oh yeah, I'll do that benefit. Yeah, I'll go do that benefit. And all yeah. of a sudden, man, I'm could put me put me in Vanderbilt and hook me up to an IV. Man, I'm I'm dying here. <laughs> you know because yeah. you because because there's a lot of great causes. But you know what I found out? It's okay to say no, mm-hmm. and then find out what are those things. And again, it's just wise counsel, hearing from God, Lord. What is what is it that I'm supposed to be involved in? And whatever that is, I want to be able to do it wholeheartedly. The big thing for me, though, has been family. Um, we knew that from when that whole thing started taking off in the 80s with Amy, we knew that the potential of our marriage being a casualty was high, and we thought, we're not going to let it happen because you look, look at what happens with celebrities and people in Hollywood and the music business and the acting world. You, know, you just see so many marriages fail, and we thought, we're not going to be a casualty. So I, we just made That's rules. Right. I'd never be away from my family more than two weeks ever. Mm-hmm. Even if I had to cross the pond, come back and cross the pond again. And then um, 
I had a plane, and I, I for years I would literally walk off stage, get in a car, land at midnight, and I'm driving carpool at 720, Amen. and it costs a lot of money, and I don't regret any of it. <laughs> That's right. And That's I think right. if you'd That's interview right. my kids, and they go, I think my kids would say, and again, I haven't done everything right. I've made my share of mistakes, but I think my, all my kids will tell you that they were more important to me than my career. Mm. You know, your book, The Way of the Father, you know, you share stories and lessons and what you learned from your father, Paul. Um, what lessons have you learned from your dad that you've, you've used as, as a father yourself? Yeah. Eddie, I find myself, my mannerisms are like my dad. I, I can't believe um, <laughs> that I do the things that he did. He, he was the kindest man I'd ever known who happened to be my dad. And he came from that great generation where he, you know, if you were sick, he just went to work. You know, he just was, his work ethic was amazing. He loved my mom. He adored her. Uh, he adored my, me and my sister. He was involved in his community. He was involved in the homeless ministry. And he was present. He was just, was. there's something about this man that when you're around him, that you, it was just undeniable, you know. And so... He really taught me a lot about what God's like, honestly. I know that sounds mm -hmm. a little bit odd, but he, he really did show me a lot of that. And this book is full of these amazing stories about my dad. And um, I, knew, I knew at least in the last 20 years that I'd write a book about him, especially when he got sick in 2011. Mm. I thought I started recollecting all these stories, especially about the baseball stories and him coaching me growing up and... and um, yeah, he was he was amazing. It's amazing because all these I still get stopped, you know, for year, for twenty years here in Nashville. I'd be in a Whole Foods or be in a Walgreens, and I I could always somebody recognize me, and I was like, I'm fine, you know. And they I'd finally just let him catch up, you know. And then they'd say, mm -hmm. "You're Michael W. Smith." I go, "Yeah, nice to meet you." And they go, "Man, we we love your mom and dad." And they'd sit there for <laughs> ten minutes and talk about my mom and dad. Happened for years, and yeah. so they left a pretty amazing legacy of. They just loved people well, and it was. And when they were with people, it was always about the other person. They never talked about themselves, and mm -hmm. uh, that's a legacy that I would love to leave. I can tell you that. Well, you definitely, you're definitely doing that, man. You know, I just, um, I just recently lost my father about a month ago. Oh, you know, bro, I'm uh, sorry. That's Ugh. that's okay. I mean, God never will never put anything more on me than I can can handle. Mm. Um, you talk about the highs of. Of being a you know a head coach and getting my mind wrapped around that, and then a week later um, having to go up to Philadelphia to bury my father was uh, full circle. It mm. was like, mm, you know, truly the end of a chapter in my life. You know, yeah. the end of, I guess, um, of my football life because I've always played the game to um, please my dad and to have a relationship with my father. And uh, I didn't, I didn't, he, he was never really in my life a whole lot in terms of growing up, but his influence, he was such a powerful man. The times that I did spend with him were so precious, he was always present with me, and it was a powerful moment. He always had a huge influence on me, although I wasn't always around him. His presence was always strong. Mm. And even in his death, I still feel like, I feel that he's, more alive today than he was when he was living, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's a very weird thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I get it in terms of wanting to 
leave a long lasting legacy and 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 doing all what you're doing you know and, and i guess it goes into your newest project uh as a re-recording and release of your top selling album worship you know what was the the creative approach for this for the, the re-release mike well it's wild it's a wild edit well first of all uh, Bro, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about your dad. You're never re- you're never ready to say goodbye to your mom or your dad. This is just yeah. a fact. So, and it is a chapter. Everything kind of changes. You have to kind of get. It's a new norm, you know. And my dad was my biggest fan. I mean, he just thought I hung the moon. He's a little embarrassing, but my and I think my my dad was at that recording 20 years ago. So it was it was a. You know, I can't take a lot of people give me credit for kind of being a big part of this e- emerging force of this worship movement. Not there's a lot of people who did it, but whatever. That record was it was it was the first vertical record, a full all vertical record where all these songs were sung to God. And it was 2001, and it was some, it was just a calling. I felt like I was supposed to do that record. Long story short, uh, we recorded that record in Lakeland, Florida. We had about 10,000 people. And it was electrifying. It was just, mm. it was like, oh my gosh, what just happened? It was just what just happened. I remember all of us, and I had a bunch of artists doing that record with me. We all went backstage and just, we just lost it. We all just start crying. And, mm. and so I just remember thinking back then going, man, I hope whatever happened out there just then translates to a CD. And it did. I thought it'd be the least successful record of my career because uh, everybody's used to me doing Place in this world, I'm the pop guy, and it ends up being the biggest record of my career all around the world. I go literally Zimbabwe, Korea, Poland, everybody knows that record. And um, and that record came out on 9-11. Mm. And uh, so it, w- it just seemed to be a go-to record, and then it seemed like the worship movement began to sort of expand and grow, and all of a sudden it just exploded. And so there's a lot of people think that that record has something to do with that. I'm not gonna if I if I if if it did, I hold it hold it very very lightly, in terms of taking credit for that. So it was just a God thing, and then it was just uh, just a wild idea. It's the 20th 20th anniversary, and I thought, wonder if we should go back and re-record that record. And we're going to mm-hmm. do that at Allen Arena at David Lipson College on July 12th, and we're going to do it with it's the full symphony. We're just going to do oh. it completely, like. It's gonna be it's gonna be that record the way it was, but it's gonna be completely in terms of production wise a sixty eight piece symphony. Man, that's, that sounds remarkable. It, doesn't it feel awesome. good now? We are talking about doing things in, in like the country's opening up again after the pandemic. I mean, that is just it sounds so good. I mean, I was watching sports this weekend and just seeing fans back in the stands and seeing uh, the golf tournament fans on the golf tour course and things opening up. Um, the pandemic definitely hurt, you know, the touring industry. My wife is a singer. I know it, it killed her not to be on stage. How did you handle that pandemic? And, and really, how did you recalibrate um, how we were going to come out of it in terms of your entrepreneurial spirit? Yeah. I just stay positive. I mean, you know, I think the hard thing was, you know, a lot of that stuff didn't seem to add up, you know. You never know what to believe, you Mm -hmm. know. And so I had to be careful that I didn't get angry, you know, because I feel like we haven't been completely being told the truth. But whatever, all of a sudden you're not working. Nobody's, you know, they've canceled the whole deal. Everything's been moved to a year ahead. Uh, The blessing in it for me was I got to spend a lot of time with my mom, who's still alive, and... 
Mm. And that's been good. Uh, it's brought our family closer together, which I didn't think that was even possible because we're all very, very close. <laughs> so a lot of family time together. And yes. I mean, I just ended up writing a bunch of songs. Um, you know, I, uh, and I wrote this book. I mean, I, I wrote the book during the pandemic. What a great time to write a book. That's right. Because I'm not That's on the right. road. So that, that, that was just an opening of going, maybe this is the time to write the book. Preparing for the Andrea Bocelli thing in Italy. You know, just all these other opportunities came along that were not, not me on the road necessarily singing. I mean, we did something crazy last year. Me and a couple of artists, we went out and did a drive-in movie theater tour. People, people <laughs> wow. pulled up in the car. Yeah, we had a flatbed and these old drive-in movie theaters, man. And we made some music, so we actually did that in, in 2020. Man, uh, that's awesome. You know, but there's not a lot of people who got to do that. We were some of the very few people that were out making music, but we only did 21 shows. So you know what? It's been. It was good. It it, it slowed everything down. Yep. I reflected. I, st- I tried to just go. You know, am I really doing the? Am I really doing what I'm supposed to be doing? So it was just a really good time. Just to kind of chill for a little bit, and it was great for my wife and I. I mean, you know, we get we're celebrating forty years of marriage this September. So, congratulations, uh, brother! I kind of feel like I'm on my third honeymoon. So, <laughs> so it's all good. I, I pray that I, I pray that I can get that go that long with my wife. Um, we're going on eighteen, That's so awesome. I feel like a, an infant when it, when you're talking about forty. Uh, but no, you're right. I mean, the pandemic did serve. It was a blessing for me because it allowed for myself, my family to to really reconnect because my, my life was all all over the place. I was in L.A. one day, New York the next day, Austin the next day, Chicago, back home for a couple of days, see my son play, kiss him on the forehead and go right back in the airport again. And it really was becoming mundane. So I guess the pandemic served as a pl- as a time to say, be still. And mm-hmm. and to see what's next, recalibrate, um, refocus your your priorities, and it, it definitely did that for me. So I, I definitely get you know your creative juices going. Congratulations on all that you're doing. And but, you. you know before I let you go, you know you've been living here for a very long time. You've watched Nashville grow. You're watching it grow into this incredible destination city that people worldwide are coming to. Uh, because of music, because of all the mu- the food, the music, the growth, the, the city itself, you know, why is Nashville for entrepreneurs, in your opinion? Well, it's, um, I, th- I think it's just a great place to live, Eddie. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of opportunity here. You know, it used to be, it was all music, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I'll never forget the day that we got a team, you know. We got an NFL team, you know, all of a sudden, and, and, and and I just think we got some good leadership, you know. And it's and I and I think the South is, you know, people are friendly here. You know, I mean, the people are moving here in droves from California and New York and all these places. They just want yep. to come here and live. You know, I mean, I kind of like it and I kind of don't. I kind of like, man, I kind of, you know, this is a, this is our small little town that's exploding. But I'm excited about it. But you know, I, I never saw this coming. You know, the kind of growth, mm-hmm. but. I think there's the, you look at all the Nissan and the list goes on and all these corporations and everybody's moving their headquarters here. I'm telling you what, it's that's why people are moving here. They're moving here for jobs and they're moving here for I think the quality of life. Mm-hmm. And and I think Tennessee is a friendly place. People are nice here, and so 
as Bill Lee, my good friend Bill says, you know, who I've known for 38 years, our governor, it's just people want a good job. They want to be safe, raise their family. Just it's a simple life. And that's certainly what I want. And I have it and I'm grateful for it. Amen, man. And, and finally, what, what advice would you have for entrepreneurs looking to break into the entertainment industry, whether it's through a, a new uh, venue or a record label or new technology or whatever you may think they could be? What, what kind of advice would you give somebody? I'd say dream big. Dream big. I think, um, I think anything is attainable. But I think first and foremost, I think God's got to be the center of your life. I mean, the the faith thing is the you know my my relationship with Jesus changed my life, Eddie. I mean, it's it's just so you're when you when you get that that whole Father heart of God thing dialed in, then then you know it's not about you. And I think you're then you start doing things not that you want to be a rock star. You're trying to be successful and make a lot of mm-hmm. money. And there's nothing wrong with that, but you do it for the right reasons. You. You, you, you want to excel in whatever your gift is. So I always pray that God will just show you what you're supposed to do. What, what's your sweet spot, you know? Yours was playing football. Now you're coaching. You know, mine's just music. It's my sweet spot. So what do I do with that? Be successful and be responsible. You know, it's a big responsibility when you come, become successful. Mm-hmm. And then how do you use that to change the world? You know? So, uh, but I think God being the center, being the compass, is probably the most important thing uh, in doing life. Well, Michael W. Smith, man, uh, continue to live life to the fullest, continue to be a great inspiration, not only to the people within your industry, but for people like myself, man. Good luck on all your projects. Um, I love you, brother. Thank you so much for, for doing this. You want to change a lot of people um, for the better, man. Thank you so much. Thank you, Eddie. Congrats on the job. Appreciate it, man, and, and go go big blue. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bro. I'll come I'll come over there and see you. All right, brother. We'll do. And there you have it. Thanks so much for listening to this interview on our bonus five-episode series on Circle Back. Stay tuned because Eddie George has two more conversations on the way. So be sure you're subscribed right here on Circle Back. This special series, A New Stage, is a production of the Nashville Entrepreneur Center. To learn more about how to get connected and be part of our thriving entrepreneurial community here in Music City, visit ec.co. And be sure to subscribe to all of our shows at ec.co slash podcasts.